Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be talking about Saturday Night Live, the comedy sketch show that at this point is pretty much all about politics. And you know, it's interesting, for as long as I've been doing videos talking about the intersection of politics and culture, at least as far as I can remember, I have never actually done an episode about SNL. And I think the reason behind that is pretty simple. I don't watch SNL. And not only that, but I also feel like not enough other people watch it to the point where I would see stuff from them uh, in the media or on my social media feed. I mean, maybe I'm just really out of the loop, which is of course possible, but as far as I can tell, Saturday Night Live just isn't as relevant as it was, say, 10 to 15 years ago. But this past weekend, things, of course, were different because from what I understand over the past several months, Saturday Night Live has been on a bit of a hiatus, whether that's just a regular season break for them or because of coronavirus. I don't actually know, nor do I care to take the time to find out, but whichever the case, this weekend they were back with the start of a new season. And predictably, because it is 2020, almost every part of the show was political. So I thought it might be fun for us to together go through the episode and see what passes for comedy in this day and age. And surprisingly, we're actually going to be starting on a bit of a high note because the opening monologue for this episode was delivered by Chris Rock, who incidentally, I do find quite funny. And what I like about this opening monologue is that it strikes a nice and apparently difficult to find balance between politics and comedy. Yes, Chris Rock is absolutely Absolutely making political points in this segment, but he's also making jokes about it. So you don't feel too much like you're being preached at. You actually do find yourself laughing at some points. And probably the biggest political point that Chris Rock made in his monologue was about term limits. I mean, what job do you have for four years, no matter what? <laughs> Just show me one job. Like if you hired a cook and he was making people vomit, every day. Do you sit there and go, well, he's got a four-year deal. We, we just got to vomit for four more years. See, this, in my opinion, is actually good political comedy, which is so rare nowadays. But here, Chris Rock is taking a serious issue, or at least what he believes to be a serious issue in politics, and he's using comedy to deconstruct it and to explain why he thinks the way that he does. He's not just saying orange man bad or making fun of politicians at a surface level that even an infant can understand. He's not just calling Donald Trump stupid or racist or homophobic. He's using humor to illustrate an actual political point. And that seems to be something that, by and large, the SNL cast themselves are incapable of doing, as we shall see later. But in his monologue, Chris Rock also did get some serious points in, ones without humor. The Senate and the Congress, does it work? No, it doesn't freaking work, man. It doesn't work. And we've agreed, you know, and why doesn't it work? Because they need freaking term limits, okay? We've agreed in the United States that we cannot have kings, yet we have dukes and duchesses running the Senate and the Congress making decisions for poor people. So admittedly, that part of the monologue did have a more preachy, lecture-type feel to it, which even though I do agree with Chris Rock on this particular issue, I'm usually not a fan of that vibe 
in my stand-up comedy, right? I just want to laugh when it comes to stand-up comedy, but Chris Rock being the experienced comedian that he is, he probably knows that the audience isn't sitting there to just hear his political takes, and he very quickly turns back to jokes. Rich people making decisions for poor people. That's like your handsome friend giving you dating advice. Like, well, I think you should go over there and grab her by the ass and tell her it's yours. Yeah, that works for you, Idris. And just like that, we are back to laughter and comedy. Well done, Chris Rock. And I wanted to show you folks these clips so you don't think I'm someone who believes politics should only be serious. It's not acceptable to make jokes about politics or that I think any celebrity is not funny when it comes to politics because they're liberal or anything like that. It's just not the case. Heck, even though I never agreed with them, I used to love The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and The Colbert Report because I think politics is ripe for comedy. But I've just been so frustrated lately with the approach that comedians are taking to it. I feel like they've been so overcome with Trump derangement, they don't even care for well-written material. They just want to own Trump and make him look stupid and racist and they think that's all it takes now to get Clapter. And just before we go on to the rest of the SNL monologue, I did want to mention that, funnily enough, the Chris Rock monologue, i.e. the only part of the show I actually found funny and agreeable, that just so happens to also be the only part of the show that leftist Twitter didn't like. In response to Chris Rock's point about term limits, Soledad O'Brien, who I used to think of as a legit reporter but has totally lost herself to Trump arrangement. She tweeted out, yeah, no. And additionally, a very popular post in response to Chris Rock's monologue read, very bad take. This will only ensure that lobbyists are completely in charge. Elections are term limits. If you don't like the incumbent in your party, elect a primary challenger. I don't mean to sound mean, or maybe maybe I do a little bit, but you have to be some grade A swampy establishment shill to oppose term limits. And this whole idea of term limits actually empowering lobbyists, that that makes no sense. The point of term limits is so that people who are elected can't form these tight quid pro quo bonds with lobbyists. And to the idea that, oh, if you don't like the incumbent in your party, just elect a primary challenger, how easy do you think that's gonna be for the primary challenger to win when the incumbent has all of these special interest dollars behind their campaign? Is it really too much to ask that people on Twitter before they post think about what they're typing out for just like two seconds? But anyway, probably the most widely talked about part of this past week's SNL episode was the parody sketch of the Trump-Biden debate featuring Alec Baldwin and Jim Carrey, and we have some clips to show you of that. But first, I need to tell you all about Ashford University. So with this whole pandemic thing going on, there are a lot of schools that are closing or just only online. And if you're someone who's trying to get your education completed, all of this uncertainty is worrying. But at Ashford University, they have a proven track record of delivering quality online education. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real-world skills from real-world experience in an online class built for life's twists and turns. You can learn from home or wherever you feel comfortable. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. With 24-7 access to 
your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford gives you the tools you need to go from dreaming to actually doing. So go from dreaming to doing today. Your bigger future starts with Ashford University. There is no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Go to ashford.edu slash Lauren. That is ashford.edu slash Lauren. Again, ashford.edu slash Lauren. Not all programs are available in all states. Now, as much as I dislike Alec Baldwin and his politics, which I really, really do, I have to say the man does a pretty solid Trump impersonation. You have to hand it to him. And senator from Delaware. Not even a real state. Love Alec Baldwin or hate Alec Baldwin, you've got to admit, that's pretty spot on. But in terms of Jim Carrey's portrayal of Joe Biden, I don't dislike Jim Carrey. I mean, he's he's a particular taste, but I, I did like Ace Ventura, a pet detective. His Joe Biden portrayal, though, it, it's like 90% Jim Carrey, 10% Joe Biden. <laughs> Just one second, Chris. Okay. It looks like you're ready to debate, Joe. Absolutely not. But uh, I've got the beginning of 46 fantastic ideas. I may or may not have access to. The people behind this sketch make millions and millions of dollars doing comedy. Just let that sink in for a minute. A, just because he's wearing makeup and a suit, that doesn't make Jim Carrey's performance a Joe Biden impersonation. And B, just because there's a laugh track, that doesn't make this sketch political comedy. You could dress Jim Carrey up like Albert Einstein and have him do crazy dances, but that wouldn't make it science comedy. If you're trying to do political comedy, then actually mention politics outside of Joe Biden being old and Trump being rude. Heck, maybe I'm just being overly critical, but I did not find the sketch funny in the slightest. And if you were perhaps thinking that, oh, well, maybe it gets better, it does not. I'm the press. Sorry, but I think we all needed a break. Isn't that satisfying? <sighs> just not to hear his voice for a single goddamn second. <laughs> Let's wallow in it. Let's bask in the Trumplessness. <laughs> it's funny because Biden put Trump on mute and we all, we all hate listening to Trump. Guys, this is not smart or clever parody. In fact, I would hesitate to call it parody at all because for all of these jokes, it kind of seems like the guys over at SNL didn't even watch the debate. I mean, they don't really reference anything specific that happened. How is this debate parody any different from any other SNL sketch involving Trump? It's not. You can trust me. Because I believe in science and karma. Now, just imagine if science and karma could somehow team up <laughs> to send us all a message about how dangerous this virus can be. I'm not saying I want it to happen. It's kind of ironic that Jim Carrey would mention believing in science and karma in the same sentence, since karma, as a concept, 
is not at all scientific. And it's also ironic that they would reference Trump's coronavirus case as an example of how serious coronavirus is when he got over that in like three days. Plus, he's like 74 and overweight and doesn't have a great diet. So, yeah. Anyway, next, the sketch brought out Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris. And just, again, these people, the people who are writing these sketches, they don't actually know anything about politics. Notice that none of these jokes are about policy, not like what Chris Rock was doing at the beginning of this episode. All of these sketches revolve around these politicians being zany characters who do funny things in terms of physical comedy and just acting stupidly if they're Republican. If, if they're a Democrat, then they just act really smart and awesome and amazing and cool. You look at me, Donald. You do not treat my Joe like that, all right? He's a nice boy. Come on, I got this. Uh-uh, Joe. Let Mama La go to work. Now, Donald, I want you to apologize to Joe. He started it. Hey! Hey! I don't care who started it, all right? I don't even care who sharded it. Now, you apologize to Joe now. I would be so happy if the writers over at SNL just admitted several things. Number one, they're not very good at their jobs, or at least they're not anymore, and you, you, you all know it's true. Number two, you did not watch the debate, uh, okay? I mean, you don't need to feel bad about it. A lot of people didn't, but if you didn't watch the debate, maybe don't base an entire sketch around trying to parody something that you obviously have no clue about. And number three, I want the writers over at SNL to just come out and admit that they don't know anything about politics or politicians and that the only reason they are cheering for the Democrats is because that's, that's their team and women power and Democrats are compassionate. So there. It's just bad. These writers, they're bad at their jobs and they should feel bad about it. Moving along though, the episode finished off with a performance by musician Megan Thee Stallion, which was, as you guessed it, also political. Did it make sense? No, but heck, Black Lives Matter, etc., etc. Virtue points, please. The most disrespected, unprotected, neglected person in America is the black woman. Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair, the color of your skin, the shape of your nose? At the end of the day, we need our black women. We need to protect our black men and stand up for our black men. Because at the end of the day, we're tired of seeing hashtags about black this is literally performance activism, and I mean that in the most negative way possible. Nobody watching Megan Thee Stallion's performance learns anything about Breonna Taylor's actual case or the real crime statistics behind black communities. There's no specific policy call to action here. There's no argument. There's just emotion. Black lives matter. Black women matter. Who is saying otherwise at this point, honestly? And to anyone who says, oh, well, you are clearly... No, I'm not. And if you think that's the point of this episode, you are so not paying attention. I am just so sick of celebrities, whether that's SNL or Megan Thee Stallion, using their platforms to push these mindless political messages that they, they don't know anything about themselves. I mean, they're treating politics and activism like a fad at this point, essentially, just going along with what everyone else on Twitter is saying so that they can also be cool and also be a hashtag activist. 
activist. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not being funny, nor especially talented in Megan the Stallion's case, at least in my opinion. So just please stop. We're not tuning into you to hear about politics. We just want to be entertained, but you're not doing that anymore, which is why your numbers are dropping. That's pretty much all I have to say for now, though. And as always, I would love to hear what you folks think about it. Do you watch Saturday Night Live? Why or why not? And what do you think of their whole shtick about making everything political in the most uninformed and unfunny way possible? Let me know. But that is it for now. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.